Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. There's that music as it comes in that hour of the morning. It is nearly two minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. You're on three triple R. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxshaw. I'm Dr. Beach. Good morning, Dr. Beach. Good morning to you. How are you? Dr. Boxshaw. I'm very well. Yeah. That's good. A little bit chilly out there this morning, but yeah, it's Melbourne winter. Uh, it Love is. it. Rejoice in it. It is. Although it was warmer this morning than it was last night. Right. I went to um, a game of, the, of football, and I got to say, there were you know brass monkeys were losing things last night. It was gold. Oh, you're a Hawthorne supporter, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sorry about Port Adelaide. Demons have to fight, face Port Adelaide next week. Oh, they're not that good. Then the demons aren't. Oh, that we're good. Well, no, no, we're, demons we're, aren't that good at the moment. No, but we're appalling. Yeah, <laughs> so the bar is very low when you play <laughs> us. So don't worry about that. Uh, no, no. So you yeah, know, you'll have no trouble with Port Adelaide that played us last night. They, were, they weren't they very good. And the, the fact they only beat us by that much. Anyway, you're on Radio Marinara, not Footy and Marinara. Um, we need to thank um, Timothy, um, Sir, Sir Tim, Sir Tim mm. Thorpe, Esquire. A-M-A-O. I love the way he does it every weekend. We talk about this every weekend yeah. as well, but you know, it's just amazing. And the way he handles little emergencies like the one we just had then. brilliant. It's just, just, Shoom, just, boom, just goes into... Yeah, brushes it off. Yep. Duck's back. Anyway. Duck's back. Um, we've got a big show. We yeah, have, indeed. I'm, I'm going to kick it off at about 10 past by talking about the, the new ston. New ston. New ston. Oh, we won't, let's not explain what that is. We're going to explain what that is at about 10 mm. past. So you've had a plankton. Plankton. So how about new ston? <laughs> I love the way you say that. It makes it not only sound intriguing, but somewhat weirdly sexy. A little bit mysterious. A new ston. A new ston. <laughs> so we're going to talk about new ston. Mm. Um, then, um, that, that's the first segment on this show Which, which by the way, I mean, you could be streaming this You could be listening I, to it live on your radio You might even be listening to it in the future You you probably could be If you're in a potty If yeah. you're at the podcast Yeah, or Radio be, On Demand you know, yeah, Using that wonderful yeah. app that we have it's brilliant Brilliant I app I love it Sometimes I miss the show And I'm like, oh, I can do Radio it's On Demand It's not quite as good as the PBS app but it's pretty oh, good. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> controversial statement there by Dr. Beach. The con- uh, content's fantastic, but just it's a <laughs> And then um, Professor yeah. John I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get the sack. Gonna, <laughs> Professor John Donald's going to just, yes, just the sack from your voluntary position. Mm, that Professor right. John Donald's going to join us um, at about half past. We're going to talk about a new marine program at Deakin popping up, which is kind of good. Oh, that sounds fun. It's great to hear. And then um, we're in climate adaptations this month, which is kind of my kind of regular thing. Dr. Beach and I. I thought we'd talk about a, an interesting well, conundrum I think we're facing, but we're going to face more of, which is about how much do we intervene to save species, given that um, you know things are going to change dramatically in the next 50 years, dramatically. So we're going to talk about that. I think it is going to require a free-ranging philosophical discussion. It will be free-ranging and philosophical. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Do, do, do we shift stuff around? Do, exactly. Do, do we... Do we Put stuff in there. Do we make things? Do we make things? To allow things to survive. It's really interesting. It's intriguing. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that just before, what, about 15 minutes before the doctors come in, uh, line up their golf carts and their stethoscopes and their COVID-19 safe masks. 
Um, and you got some weather? I got some weather. Uh, what's happening at well, around town? We have got a few showers. It's going to be windy today. It's going to be thirteen degrees. It was only seven degrees last night. <sighs> Possible three mils of rain today. Seventy uh, percent chance of that. Uh, tomorrow we've got 14 degrees, a little bit of a sprinkle, 70% chance for a couple of mils. Tuesday and Wednesday, Anthe looking like, you know, just no sprinkles. Oh, good. No, I need no, that. No, no sprinkles I'm, on I'm your day. I'm actually camping in a tent. Oh, good I'm for you. bushwalking and camping in a tent. Ex- explo- exploiting the last week of the school holes. Oh, yep. And I don't mind cold. Like, I, we can go cold, just no rain. Yeah, Please. cold's good. Yeah, yeah. Wet, yeah. Wet, wet's awkward. Yes. Bit, bit awkward when you're camping. Yeah. Uh, Thursday. Yeah, no rain Thursday either, Anth, so you'll be, you'll be good. <sighs> Through till Friday, depending on where you are. I'm looking at, like, you know, central Melbourne at the moment. But... um. Yeah, and tides, it's going about 11.30. It's going to be about a one and a half metre high tide at the heads. Oh. But, but we also have a weather report, um, as, as we often do, from, from Cliff Davis down right. in Antarctica. Yep. Uh, it's, boy, he's, he's banged it through this morning to Braun, who's banged it through to us. And it's, the air temperatures are brisk, minus 23 degrees. Oh, that's a bit balmy. Oh, yeah, with the, but cop the wind chill, minus 42.5. Not on top of, but because of. Is that right? So it's minus 42.5 is oh, the wind chill. So that's, that's the how, feels like. That's what that's the feels like. Oh. And the temperature itself is minus 23 degrees. I, I just wonder, Celsius. though, do you think that, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, feeling minus 23 do you think minus 42 feels that much more colder? Because, I mean, minus 23 is just so cold that, you know, like, you know, can you really sense the difference? You've got to get to the point where, like, oh, it's cold and it's it's and really, really cold. cold? But, but would it be? Yeah, I know the difference between 42 and 23 would be a lot, but minus, like, it's just so, so, so cold. And Cliff reckons yesterday, so minus, you know, wind chill today is minus 42. Yesterday yeah. was minus 50. Oh, Oh, Cliff, come home. 44 knots, <laughs> subtly wind. I guess all the winds would have to be subtly, wouldn't they? Uh, no, 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 in no, fact. No. In fact. Wouldn't it be less likely? Oh, that's just well, I guess if you brain. had an onshore or offshore, it would be suddenly or northly because of that. I, I have trouble thinking about placing myself at the poles, like sort of what, where would yeah, the direction be? Yeah, the pole. He's like, you know, near it. He's near He's like it. in a yeah. continent. He's not sitting on, on the pole. No, no. That, well, that'd hurt. But he's, you know, like he's, he's like at the edge of the coast or on a, on a continent that's got the pole in the middle of it. Mm. So still, you know, but still. But, but suddenly. That's it, coming it, off the cold bit. Yeah. Ooh. But, but Cliff Davis, um, yeah, big shout Thanks, out Cliff. to you. Yeah. Our Cliff. Yeah. Down in Antarctica. That's cold. Hey, doing a good job. If for you us all. were looking at, because it's you know it's not going to be so bad today, and it's day two or three even of the um, Phillip Island Whale Festival. Lots of sightings. I even heard somebody yeah, calling yeah, yeah. to, to break fasters. I think it was I the saw other a day. Photo. So it's something off lawn. Yeah, huge amounts. I saw a photo the other day. There's a there's a tour operator who runs little boats out of Tidal River or you know near the prom. And they for whale sightings, and mm. they took a couple out, and that you know, you know, you, you obviously the whales have to come to you. You sit, and then the whales come to you because you can't approach them in your boat. Mm. There's all mm. kinds of rules about that. We've talked about that in the past, but um, yeah, and whales were like breaching, you know, between the boats. There's awesome. a lot of whales out there at the minute. Anyway, so Philippine Whale Festival. I know Bron and Dave talked about this um, last week. It's on uh, Friday, Saturday, and today's the last day. So you can get down there. There's the whole kind of, you know, Bass Coast Whale Discovery Trail 
um, Phillip Island Discovery Whale Trail. You can paint beach bags, create a whale mask. You can go for a wander and, you know, go whale watching out in the outer coast. You can sit in the cafes. You can do a whole lot of cool stuff down there. Wonderful things. Yeah. So the whole kind of – they're doing like a regional island and, you know, San Remo, Bass Coast thing. But it, it, does, it just brings continual joy to the heart to see all these large – creatures coming yeah. back now did you see this thing the um, um over near the yucatan um where Pem- pemax which is the mexican oil company like you know like you know the national oil company mm-hmm. had a well i think it's a gas well actually and it um, burst was oh. bubbling through like What's a little that? pipe and then there was a spark and so there was this bit of the ocean on fire Wow. So, so you know, so anyway, they've capped it now, but it was a very, I know it's a shocking thing to happen, but as spills go, you know, it's going to burn off. You know, it's the mm. gas was burning off. Um, but it was dramatic photos. It was doing the rounds on social media. Really, you know, like a massive big piece of the ocean on fire um, boiling up. It was pretty pretty impressive. Wow, that's why I missed it because I don't do the socials, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, anyway, that, thankfully yesterday I did hear, I went for a couple of days, I did hear that they have the leak thank goodness but and, a bit uh, of fire on the surface of the ocean that would have, that would affect dramatically the the new storm <laughs> what a wonderful segue to our next segment indeed you are on three triple r and it is 16 minutes past the hour of nine o'clock unless you're on a podcast in which case it could be anytime anywhere that's right or in the future that was um first nation uh midnight oil Jess Malboy and Ta- Ta- Tasman Keith. I always say Tams and Tasman. I always get those words mixed up. Hey, Dr. Beach. Anth, Anth, let, let's talk about... Newston. Newston. Or New, Newston. Newston. Let, let's spell it first. Okay. N-E-U-S-T-O-N. And Newston. And we've heard about plankton. Don. Yes. So plankton are the organisms which you know, small organisms which live in the water column. Right yeah, yeah. Benthos, we may have heard about. They're the ben- stuff benthic on the organisms, the things yeah, yeah. that are down the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And then we have another ad- we have an adjective called pelagic for you know fish that swim in the water column. And okay. Like a, like a tunas and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Well, the newston is often neglected describes the small organisms which live at the surface of the water. So right, kind of like up where the the earth, right at the, the air and the it, water. Yeah, that, that interface. Think of it huh. as the skin of the ocean at the yeah. top. So we've got the top couple of millimetres we can refer to it as. Really? And then, yeah, and in the top metre, that's where you lose lots of UVB. So that gets that's light. Yeah, the light. Well, the UVB yeah, is the yeah. dangerous sort of burning light. So yeah. that gets good. So that's so these are the ones that can put up with that stuff. Okay. And they live at that air surface interface. And, you and they put, only live there. They, a lot of them. There's a lot of organisms that only live there. There's a lot no. of organisms that transit up from the depths and come right. up and munch the organisms which are sitting on the surface. Right. And there are some which spend part of their lifestyle or part of their life cycle up the top, like salmon, for example. Yeah. Salmon, little baby salmon, right. spend most of their baby life when they just get out to the ocean yeah. up in the new stomp. But there's lots and lots of other organisms there. No way. No and they, way. And they Wait. just live they in just, this tiny little bit at the top. And some really. Like literally centimetres thick. That's right. Well, think of things floating. Like, oh, my goodness. 
Portuguese man of war, blue bottles. That's a new stone, is it? That's a new stone. That's new a stone. really good example of a new stone. Huh. Something which is in the new stone or part of the new stone. Oh. So they can be plankton. They can be little jellyfish type things like yeah. a Portuguese man of war. There's They're other ones. Uh, oh, no, they live. They go further down. They go right? further yeah. down. Portuguese man. So the things that live up That's there. Like the sail they, jellies. Stay there. Yeah. And Valella. Then, yeah, yeah. Valella, yeah. By the wind sailor. Yeah. So they little go... Some people, may, you may have seen these. Washed, sometimes so cool. these, sometimes these get washed up on the beach in huge yeah, numbers. Yeah, Valella yeah. do, and they're blue. They're bright yeah. blue, purpley coloured, like a Portuguese man of war. Yeah. And you think blue ocean, blue sky. If you're going to live at the interface, those blue two, two blue things. I was about to say Bluetooth. <laughs> you want to be blue. Not all the things that live up there are blue, but yeah, Valella by, by the wind sailors. They get pushed around. They've got those beautiful sails yeah. that passively move around. Lots of things eat those. We got the Portuguese man of war yeah. as well. But not only that, there's algae which live up the top. Sargassum is a brown seaweed. You may have it heard just floats. Of, it just yep. floats. There's an entire sea named after that algae. The Sargasso Sea. Yep. The Sargasso Sea, which is like a big gyre in the Atlantic. Yeah. And that is a bit closer to the American side of the Atlantic than it is to the other side. And but it's it, named because it's full of that algae floating, isn't it? The Sargassum, yes. And huh. Sargassum got its name from Portuguese sailors who thought it looked like a little plant which was living in their ponds back home in Portugal <laughs> called Saga or something. <laughs> so I they did not know it, that. So called, oh, that's wonderful. And, um, so, yeah, so Sargassum got its name from that. And the Sargasso Sea from the Sargassum brown huh. seaweed that is there. And there's also, yeah, there was a book called The Wide Sargasso Sea. How can I ask? Which was written how? in 1966. But before I go any further, there was yeah, yeah. also, uh, like, you know, you know how we sometimes try to be a little bit clever on this show and play songs which yeah. are associated with of course. what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And to my joy, I was looking on... Um, Wikipedia just yesterday and yeah. saw that um, Stevie Nicks <laughs> has a song called The Wide Side Guess I See. And I thought, beauty, we could play that. <laughs> I, luckily, I had a quick listen to it because it's a stinker. <laughs> so but, but we, what we're, is we're important, better though, with that. is that Stevie Nicks has recorded a track about Newston. Well, not Newston. really. No, no, no. It's more about the book called The Wide Side Guess I See, oh, written okay. in 1966, oh, which okay. is kind of a, like a, a, a femi fem fem feminist prequel to... <laughs> okay. to um, Jane Eyre. Can I ask? <laughs> but that's too much okay, literature. Well, hey, so how big could an organism be to be classified as a new stone? Um, that's a very good question. What about uh, so, uh, like a whale, for example? You wouldn't call that a new no, stone because it goes down. Because it goes yeah. down. What but it comes it? up to the new stone and eats stuff, or comes up to that surface layer and eats organisms which are part of the new stone. What about a sunfish? A sunfish. You know, like that really big fish with the sail, it sits up, but, the, but it does go down. Where I'm getting all my information from, on top of my yeah, wide range yeah, of biology, yeah, it's been accumulated yeah, after hundreds my of years hundreds of, of years of, living on this earth, yeah, yeah. Um, is an article which is freely available to all our listeners out mm. there. It's in a journal called PLOS Biology, and PLOS yeah. stands for Public Library of Science, so PLOS. So into yeah. your favourite search engine, if you hit PLOS Biology and then the word Helm, H-E-L-M, H-E-L-M, because this is an article written by one Rebecca yeah. Helm. Okay. It's an essay on the new stones called <gasps> The Mysterious Ecosystem at the Ocean Surface. Because it's a whole of ecosystem. It's a whole ecosystem. Wonderful pictures and they're really great description. Yeah. Go and check it out. But some really lovely stuff in there. I just like So we're talking about the new stone. A really yeah, great yeah. example of it is the Sargasso Sea, as yeah. you already mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Characterised by having floats, huge floats of 
rafts, if you like, yeah. of this brown seaweed called sargassum. Very closely related to kelps, but it's not anchored on the bottom of the ocean like yeah. a kelp is, or you know, near shore waters. Yeah. Um, this thing sticks, you know, stays at the top. It's got these floats. Because it's but, new stone. Because it's new stone. <laughs> but there's a huge community of animals that live in there. In fact, there's one particular fish, a beautiful fish, which is called the sargassum fish, and it rejoices in the name. Its Latin name is Histrio, Histrio. Oh. You've heard of histrionics. And yeah. It's being a little bit like an actor. So it's a hist- dramatic hi- fish. Histrio is the Latin word for yeah. an actor. And this is because of the way it sort of goes about its life and feeding there. It, it impersonates other things. It changes its colours. No. It's got all sorts of stuff. In fact, if it's coming, if there's something which is trying to come up from the bottom to eat it, what it can do is jump out of the water and sit on top <laughs> of the sargassum. And it can, it's quite remarkable, this fish. It can spend quite like a bit. It just hangs out in the air. It, it's got the ability to hang but out. But how does it get in, back in the water, though? It's like, oh, what, the just wiggles back down. It's, oh, it's, got, it's actually course. got prehensile. It's almost got like prehensile fins. In so, fact, it does. It can grab onto things. It's with a its little fins. bit like kind of blenny. It can kind of move, you know. Move yeah. Riff. Wow. So there's your pl- there's your there's your sargassum fish. It can fish. grab onto things with its fins. with its fins. They are prehensile. Wow. Check like it, it out on Wikipedia. The sargassum like fish. Fin Beautiful fingers pictures. around things, and mm-hmm. I did not know there was a single fish could do that. Other organisms, well, f- wonderful. Wow. Or, well, flying fish can be considered a little bit part of the new stone as well really? because they're going. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. They spend that part of, part of their life in the new stone. Huh. There are barnacles which live yeah. in the newstone. So oh, barnacles, we yep, normally yep, yep. think of barnacles as being well. There, there are the um, gooseneck barnac- yeah, barnacles yeah, which yeah. attach to bits of wood yeah. which are floating in the newstone, perhaps yep. even bits of plastic. That's a whole other conversation we can yeah, have yeah. about the number of newstonic organisms that attach to plastic. And when we drag all that plastic out of the water, we're, taking we're also taking newstone. those organisms out. Hmm. Perhaps that'll be of some relevance to our third discussion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the barnacle there. So most barnacles secrete calcareous shell yep. wrap around. This so guy doesn't. Limestone, the one, everyone just yeah, limestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a little shell. The one on the newstone doesn't. Instead no. of that, it secretes like this fluffy sort of um, a little bit like a, a souffle. And that floats on the surface, so the barnacle then hangs, <gasps> hangs underneath it. There are snails which live in the newstone, which throw out their feet to then grab bubbles, grab air, and then make oh, a bubble so that they no can then hang under that. And then they hang under the bubble, and yep. then they just eat whatever is in the newstone with them. There are particular nudibranchs which live in the newstone, yeah, yeah, yeah. which have these wonderful kind of like sort of paddles on them almost. It's, it's, it's their, and they uh, like riding the newstone. They're riding the newstone, <gasps> really, and they're bright blue again. Some of the things, yeah. the, particularly the ones that live around sargassum, which is a brown seaweed, are brown coloured. Yeah. There are particular sargassum crabs that live there. There's all sorts of and, endemic and, things. And they're in t- those those particular species, their entire life cycle is within the new st- – like it's in this zone. Yes, but there are other organisms which come spend, and go. Come, come yeah, and yeah, go, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. eels, for example, salmon, yep, yep, all sorts yep. of um, – swordfish, young swordfish hang out in the new Wow. Stuff. But the, the, the point of this article, Rebecca Helms, yeah. really interesting and very readable article. Um, so I do encourage people to go and look at it themselves. It's a nice way. Of, and check out PLOS Biology while you're there. I mean, really wonderful journal with lots of different things in it. Um, is that we know very little about the Newstone. Huh. Spent a lot of time thinking about the deep benthos. You know, yeah. we know very little about that. We, we, yeah, we don't know much about the ocean yeah, at all, yeah, do we, Anthony? No, that's true. But in particular, the Newstone, very neglected area. Um, because it's vulnerable, it's very vulnerable. Yeah, lots of plastics yes. coming out. Yeah, yeah. You just alluded to before that fire. Yeah. Um, if we have oil spills, the oil yeah, hangs at the surface. The yep. And it's also with climate change, with increasing water temperature, where's it going to yes. heat up quickest first at the surface? Yeah. 
all sorts of important things for us to think about. The Sargassum Sea, we know that, that um, the Sargasso Sea, that that is, provides community, well, ecosystem services for a huge number of people. Yeah. Um, but we have very, very little idea about other communities of new Isn't stones. it so interesting because it's the one bit of the ocean that we can directly see and experience more than just about any other bit because as soon as we enter it, we're going through this little zone this where the new stone live. And yet, again, like you say, we know so little about it. Yeah. I mean, you can see why we don't know much about, you know, something that's a kilometre down. But this is the first few centimetres. Yeah. Wow. So everyone listeners, when you're out there next time and you're in the ocean and you go through that first few centimetres, you are that is an entire ecosystem. And gyres. How cool. Yeah. We talk about garbage patches in the ocean. They are often gyres which accumulate plastics and they also accumulate newstones. So newstone lives in there because of the currents. Uh, just quickly, because I know we've been banging on about this for no, a while. This is, I'm very interested. Uh, but the, but, but the, the Russians, the Russians, um, what the biologists, Russians well, the oceanographers, biologists from the USSR back in the 1950s, late yeah. 1950s, did a huge survey of um, Neustonic areas, so, so the Sargasso Sea, that's a particular community of Neuston there um, with that Sargassum weed. Yeah. But they've identified six or seven other ones in the Pacific, which have largely been forgotten about, probably because they wrote it up in Russian and no one else had read it. But um, it's, yeah. it's lots of preliminary information there, yeah. which is just gagging to be unpicked, cool. unpacked. So that is Neustone. That is Neustone. Neustone. Mm. Wonderful. Go home, tell your kids. Tell, tell your kids about Neustone. Well, hopefully so many kids were listening. That, and they're going, hey. Hey, Mum and hey, Dad, I know all about Newstone. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a, a Newstonologist. Do I, I, I don't think. No, 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 no. Don't listen to me. Don't, no, don't believe but that. But could, we could make that a thing. We could. We could decide from now that that's what that is. If you study Newstone, you're a Newstonologist or a Newstonographer. No, mm-hmm. no. Deakin University has been has has recently launched a entirely entire new marine program, and Professor John Donald from Deakin University joins us this morning live on the blower to chat about this. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Ant. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Morning, John. It's Dr. Beach. Good morning, here. Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm well, thank you. Now. Now, Deegan's always done a lot of marine stuff. Um, yeah. And, and, but, but kind of recently, it seems like you guys have brought together a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, we, we've had great conversations over the years with, you know, Dan, Dan Iridia Conu and Paul Cannell and Alicia Belgrove and all these people we've had on the show over the years. So we know Deegan's got a great background in marine. But have you, what have you done? You've brought together a whole bunch of stuff into a new program? Uh, yes, so we've... There's really two things we've done. Uh, we've really uh, increased our span in the research space. So what we've done is, you know, we've, as you just said, we've always known we had, uh, you know, expertise in Warrnambool, but we've actually uh, created a sort of Deakin Marine uh, approach across the whole uh, university. And as part of that, within our faculty, we have created a new uh, centre for marine uh, fisheries and aquaculture research, which actually has hubs across four locations within the university. And in fact, the breadth of what we're doing is is really substantial. And we have about, um, in our sort of communication list for the centre, we have over 100 uh, academics, postdocs, huh. technicians, and PhD students. So it's really extensive. And we sit across, you know, about eight different disciplines within our centre Oh, wow. uh, in addition to Warrnambool. So it's it's really extensive. There's there's eight thematic 
areas, as I said, and it extends beyond uh, the the classic marine science into IT and engineering and, and other facets that people may not be aware of that Deakin is uh, very good at. So and you in- mentioned, <laughs> you said you said four locations. I, 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 think, I think of Warrnambool, I think of Geelong, yep. I think of Burwood. What's the fourth location? Uh, so we're now I've got a substantial presence at Queenscliff. So ah, what was uh, the, uh, the location where the... Fisheries Victoria and fishery scientists used to have a very substantial uh, programs there that diminished over time as funding was reduced. And also they were co-located um, with the Victorian Marine Science Consortium, which uh, became uh, unviable several years ago. So, And in the same location, many people might know the Marine Freshwater Discovery Centre that yes. uh, now is part of the VSA. So, so Fisheries Victoria became the Victorian Fisheries Authority and they basically stopped doing laboratory-based science and Deakin saw an opportunity to grow its programs there. So, um, yeah, we have a very substantial program there. The, the facility is uh, is sort of the gold standard is the flow-through seawater system yeah. uh, that we use. So we have do a lot of research uh, with... Uh, we're looking particularly in climate change with resilience and aquaculture. Um, we have programs looking at the impact of climate change of fish size, seagrass programs, uh, and then we've built up our modelling and uh, marine spatial ecology programs as well, and fisheries assessment and modelling that we do in collaboration with the VSA, and we also have a growing marine education program, so it's pretty substantial. Yeah, wow. John, John that, that, that Queenscliff um, node centre that you're talking about, that's at the mm-hmm. Isthmus, is that is that correct, as you're going <laughs> right. into Queenscliff? So, so it's on the left there, the Marine Discovery right. Centre is there. and yeah. So what most people don't realise is that if you go in there, many uh, you know, families with younger kids have visited the Discovery Centre, but the <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, facility is really quite extensive, extensive laboratories, and the thing that's really good about it is that uh, the way it's designed is that the, the research building has on one half all the uh, aquarium infrastructure and on the other side of the building is all the uh, laboratory infrastructure. So we have sitting right next to our experimentation suites in the, in the, the seawater section, we have a genomics lab, a chemistry lab, and they do the analysis from those experiments. And the, the really exciting thing for us at Queenscliff is that we just got some Victorian high, higher education state infrastructure funding, and we're going to spend quite a substantial amount of money um, on improving the seawater infrastructure there. And then the other part of that project is that there will be an optic cable running down the Ballerine Peninsula terminating at the Queenscliff Centre, which is going to provide essentially unlimited internet to the Ballerine area and to our facility. Wow, that's very cool. Hey, now you... It's really interesting, before you said there were kind of eight discipline areas and you've mentioned a bunch of different ones, but you mentioned IT and engineering. Yeah. And I've got to say, when I think of marine... Um, fisheries and aquaculture, I don't automatically think of IT or engineering. How does that work? Yeah, so that's actually a really good point, Ant, and it's uh, essentially what we're looking to do is expand that particular title. But where it works is that, um, and we've been having a lot of discussions with the School of IT in um, the last couple of months, is where artificial intelligence and machine learning can come in to assist with uh, modelling, ecology, oh, fisheries, cool. and that's that's the interface that we're looking at. And essentially what happens is that, you know, in the School of Life and Environmental Sciences, the, uh, the research generates, you know, 
really extensive data streams. For example, uh, you know, with the, the work of Daniel Irutakonu and, and the IMOS work and the seafloor mapping work, they generate massive amounts of data. So we're yeah. hoping to be able to use, you know, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to, uh, you know, increase the strength of, and the application of that data. John, you just mentioned IMOS then. IMOS is the, uh, um, was it Integrated Marine Observing System? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so that, that's, 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 sorry, Peter. No, well, no, no, over to you, John. <laughs> uh, so that's a really good point to bring up, IMOS. So that's a, uh, a facility that's funded by Na- National Infrastructure Funding from Canberra, uh, based at the University of Tasmania. And the... I think one really critical thing that Deakin is doing is, is sort of building capacity in the state of Victoria because up until recently, Victoria didn't have any representation in IMOS. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, you know, there are facilities in, in the other states. And so um, we are now leading the Vic IMOS node and have the first sub-facility that is, uh, Daniel is managing a Warrnambool in the Bonnie Upwelling, which is a really uh, significant uh, area for recordings. There's a, uh, there's a lack of data coming from uh, sort of data stream systems and sensing systems in Bass Strait. So one of the things that we're hoping to do is build our IMOS capacity to, to improve that. And then the other program we're in, engaged with is uh, is a National Marine Microbes Program. To, you know, my, microbes and microbiomes are becoming increasingly important in ocean health, and uh, we're actually in charge of collecting the data in Port Phillip Bay for that particular program. Yes, this is very cool, John. Um, and, and I guess just finally, the you know you mentioned there's 100 researchers. I guess this has a flow and impl- Im- impact on the kind of stuff that undergraduates, you know, the things that you can yep. teach to the ones that come <coughs> in. Because yep. one of the things that always still, you know, how many, what is it, 30, year, 35 years after I did a marine science degree in Victoria, people's kids still seem to think you've got to go to Townsville. And, you know, I guess, you know, you don't, you know. We're talking about this program. Does it expand, you know, what you can teach undergrads as well? Yes, definitely. So <clears throat> we've basically developed a uh, new marine Bachelor of Marine Science. So it's the sort of first uh, actual Bachelor in Marine Science in the state of Victoria. So we would really love uh, Victorian kids to think that they can undertake those sort of studies. And the, the program has been scaffolded to the the, the needs in the marine space in Australia. So we uh, lent very heavily from the National Marine Science Plan that you would know very well. Yeah. And also some of the findings on um, employment um, needs in the marine space that was undertaken by the National Marine Science Committee. Even though that survey was a, a postgraduate survey, we've used a lot of that uh, information to uh, embed in our program. So it is, you know, we make no apologies for the fact that it is a, a very much a quantitative program. We want to produce graduates with good quantitative skills. Um, in fact, being able to model, being able to do our coding when they graduate, have an understanding of genomics and oceanography and general marine biology. So it's an exciting program. <coughs> it runs a lot at Queenscliff, so you know, really cool. first-rate facilities to, for the students to do. So, yeah, and you know, in the state of Victoria. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning, John, and um, Finlayson on this kind of exciting new development. We love anything that means that we focus more science and marine science in Victoria. So thanks for joining us, John.
No problem, man. Thanks, Peter. See ya. Professor John Donald there from Deakin University. I love that there's loads more science, marine science happening in Victoria. Uh, yeah, as you said, it was just, I mean, even when I was growing, you know, growing up. If you wanted to do what, marine what biology, marine science, you had to oh, go yeah, to Townsville. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. and I, I remember going to, yeah, I did my undergrad at Melbourne Uni. I remember mm. going there as like, you know, a callow youth. Form, form five year eleven for, for, yeah. for, for, for in, in the modern terminology and being told oh, just come here do a BSc do what you like and then do um, pick up some marine subjects pick up some marine yeah, subjects absolutely. then you go on and do honours or PhD and that you don't have to um, yeah I'm not sort of saying don't go to Townsville no, don't no, go to yeah, Tasmania yeah. wonderful course, institutions yeah, and all brilliant. of that but you don't have to have necessarily That's great. There's, ca- there's, there's a lot distance. of um, really good marine um, science capability. And, and I love that kind of engineering connection. And That's that really important. As you said, with, with IMOS, the Integrated Marine Observing System, that yeah. floats and all sorts of stuff out there, bringing in huge amounts of data. Hi, I'm David Suzuki, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR 102.7 FM. Thank you very much, David. It is indeed Radio Marinara. On 3RRR, it's about 11 minutes to the hour of 10 o'clock before um, David was Alice Sky With and a the very, oils. very beautiful track. Beautiful, beautiful voice, wonderful track. That's off the Macarada Project. Hey, now, about once a month we have a chat about climate adaptation from and talk to people and, you know, whether it be coastal or marine or... And so today, you and I, Dr Beach, are going to have a com- bit of a chat about... How do we deal with the fact that the ocean and the ecosystems are going to change so dramatically and so quickly that we, we may need to intervene? We are intervening. We're doing things to save species we've never done before, species and habitat. So I'll give you an example, and you've got a great example too with albatross. So um, urchins, we've talked about the purple urchin on yeah. the show. They've moved their their range and they're invading so to speak areas that they haven't before and creating urchin barrens in eastern victoria and off the coast of tasmania moving, moving south moving south now they're a native species yeah. they were always here they used to pop in in different numbers but now they're in bigger bigger numbers because the warmer water is coming further south we are at the moment you know in tassie and in victoria running programs where we're taking them off reefs so that we can save the other the kelps. The kelp mainly, yeah. yeah. Kelps, which form a forest, got lots of other communities, yep. make a huge community. Yep. But, but what's so we're wrong? going out what's, there. What's wrong with the urchins? Well, the urchins are native, you know. So, I know, so we're right. doing that's, this. Yeah. So we're investing resources in Tassie and Victoria to actually remove them, so the kelps can go. And and that one that you showed me during the week was wonderful as well. This is a lovely little article, which is in. Um, it's about snowflake, the albatross, mm-hmm. um, snowflake. Uh, Midway Island in the Pacific, um, lots of albatross live there. Um, they like mm-hmm. to, I was about to say camp out, but they have their they nests. Hang they, they hang out. They mm-hmm. have their nests on the, on the beach, mm-hmm. low-lying shore. Yep. As the water levels rise, those nests get covered. And there was an episode a couple of years ago where there was like, you know, thousands of albatross just wiped out. So what they're now, now doing is they've started a relocation program where there's snowflake, the albatross, which is talked about here, was, yeah. was flown, um, economy class, um, <laughs> as an egg to Guadalupe, which is... Which is how many thousand Baja, kilometers? California, 6,000 K or something so, so like that. So we picked yeah. up... Six, yeah, 6,000 kilometres. So we didn't just move them higher up the shore. We picked them up and moved them for 6,000 kilometres. Yeah, snowflake and a few others to try this transplantation thing. 
There were wow. alb- there were albatross there yeah. um, in sure. this like, Guadeloupe earlier on, um, and, and this is a left- climate hedge. This is a climate hedge would because to counter yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the effects of climate, so rising then, sea level. So, so and then, then, then one about, has yeah. to ask oneself yeah. by removing, but but now introducing these albatross, different species yeah. to this place in Guadeloupe, yeah. is that going to interfere with the organisms, yeah, animals, plants that are there? I mean, another great example is um, coral. So we're we're selecting just like on land, we're currently growing trees that are kind of southern Queensland trees in northern Victoria because that's what the habitat will be like in 50 years. You know, so so we're just seeing we're, we're building up a kind of a climate hedge, a nature hedge. We're growing coral that are potentially able to survive warmer temperatures and greater CO2 in the ocean. Selecting we're coral. Selecting coral, yeah. yeah. Now, now the, the, you know, this we all have to do this. Let, let's be very clear. We're doing this because we're emitting way too much CO2 and we're buggering the, the atmosphere. We've and stuffed we things up, so we're yep. trying to repair it. Yeah, so, so it's a really almost interesting philosophical question. And we, you and I could go on with dozens more of these examples. How far do we intervene? And I'll give you a hypothetical. Okay, so rock platforms in the intertidal. Okay, we, yeah, there's not many of them, Victoria. I mean, they're great places. We always go to them. We love them. They have a very, very specific kind of species that grow on them. Now, they can probably kind of attach to new areas of rock platform because they're the kind of species that have a half of a life cycle where they go into the ocean as larvae and then they hmm. settle down as adults, etc. Anyway, so... As the sea level rises, those rock platforms that are intertidal will become subtidal. They'll always be covered by water. Yep. So where do those species go? Do they go like on the road that's on the above? You know, like where yep. they're, you know, because most, mostly where, yeah, there's not rock platform further behind them inland. There's roads and there's settlements. So do we build artificial rock platforms? Or do we just lose all that habitat? I don't know. These are questions oh, that we don't have the answers no. to. And another really good example, we talked yeah. about the Newstone before yeah. um, and one of the, you know, the, the bit of the ocean right at the surface. And, of course, that's where you get lots of plastics accumulating. Yeah. Terrible plastics. There's mess, horrible stuff that we pump into the ocean that, you know, from the rivers and all of that. But the organisms that live in that surface, that they will grow on virtually anything. So lots of logs in the past before we had mm. lots of logging and we had – more forest fires. No, there's a lot more wood in the ocean, and naturally that would happen as well. You naturally, know, like you know, well, yeah, trees no, would fall down no, in rivers. Well, no, and, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. In the past, yeah. we believe there was more there than there is yeah. now. But now these neustonic organisms are sometimes living quite cheerfully on the bits of plastic yeah, and rubbish. We, yeah, we, we've seen floats, you know, yep, from, from yeah. ships. I mean, they've got barnacles all over them, gooseneck yeah. barnacles and all that. And when we drag those plastics out of the ocean to, to clean mm-hmm. it up. Yep. There's this we bring the huge fauna of organisms so we, that, we're, that we're ripping out of their environment. And they're dying. Whoa. They think, oh, we just got used to living on your crap and now you're going to kill us. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're, what you're turning the tables on us. What an interesting philosophical conversation. Do we put floats of plastic into the ocean deliberately to maintain the habitat for those species? It, it just sounds a little bit. Okay, here's another yeah. one. Okay, and, 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 you know, I mean, it is a philosophical question. We don't have the answer. You know, like, this is a question I think we all collectively have to consider. I think so, we need to get Peter Singer on the show. Yeah, actually, because like it is a kind of an ethical question. Yes. You know, how much do you intervene in order to maintain? Mm. You know, the question of kind of, um, you know, culling, 
you know, for example, the, the, the urchins or kangaroos or whatever, you know, people are kind of, we're used to that, but building things in order to artificially mm. imagine that a new area. I mean, a, a simpler one might be, um, I don't know, at the top of Western Port Bay where 150 years ago people put those le- levees, you know, to stop the, you know, they drain the Kuiwap Swamp, as yep. it was called, yep. which really, frankly, is just a massive big wetland. Hmm. Um, swamp, don't you love that do, word? Do swamp we, is such Do a... we open up? Yeah, because the water will be coming over those at some point, you know, in 50, 60 years or whatever. Do we open up, you know, those areas that are now farmland? I mean, let, let's, you know, we've got to find some place for the farmers to go, obviously, and for mm. that, that land to be. And then you allow the salt marsh and the mangroves maybe to move into those areas and kind of migrate backwards until they hit the highway, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, how do we do we deliberately allow that to happen? How far do we go? It's so – it's a challenge. It, it kind of is an ethical question, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. I mean, and is we, we, we call this part of adaptation as opposed to yeah. mitigation. Yeah, but, yeah. And, we want to adapt ourselves, but how much do we step in and adapt the environment for the environment? Yes. How much do we animals? enable that? Yeah. yeah. What, what, how much do we do things that are interventionist in order to enable the natural stuff to happen? And are we accepting that the change is happening? Because, of course, naturally, um, intertidal zones have moved up and down foreshores for, mm. forever thousand millions of years but the rate at which the ocean is moving up and down now is probably faster than the rate at which those salt marshes can migrate backwards but of course they also can't migrate backwards because it's full of farmland so so the the philosophical question in a way is because the rate is so much faster do we step in and help nature part of me wants to yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, Me it, too. It really is. I feel like it's, we need to clean up, you know? Yeah, we've got to clean up that stuff. But then when we're cleaning up, and, and I keep going back to the plastics, it's just like you, you, you yeah. pull something out of the water, it looks like rubbish, and it's got all these things living on it. You go, oh, my God. All of a sudden, you've got this quandary. Yes. What do I do? Do I gently try and scrape them off? Well, put them yeah, back yeah, in the ocean. They're it's, not going to live, yeah, though, that, are they? are not going to live. You can't do it. Okay. Now, we have no answers. We said we didn't. But we wanted to have a conversation because it is happening. There are lots of scientists. There are lots of engineers thinking and planning. We've spoken to a bunch, you know, yeah. um, over Win Chan, for example, who's doing all that wonderful work with coral. We've spoken to a lot of people. Alex over. Node, who's building things to yeah. put in the ocean, artificial reefs. Yep. So a while ago. I'd like to get Alex back We're on, going to, as a, as a group, as a people... Um, we're going to face this question more and more and more, I think, in the coming um, years. Mm. What do we do to kind of save the species that we've put un- under threat? When we, we're going to leave you there with that little tantalising something, kind something of to thought. Think about. I know. It's so interesting, isn't it? And um, I've got to press that button so the music actually comes on, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey. Who's, um, on, who's on next week? Bronze back. Bronze back? Yeah. And I, don't, don't, I actually don't know. I should have checked. I should have checked the, I, I the schedule. Check, I should check my yeah. schedule. Hey, I want to thank you to our guest, uh, Professor John Donald, today. Thank you, Dr. Bench. Thank you, Anthony. It's, it's very enjoyable. Always a pleasure. And philosophical note on which to end the show. Yeah, pensive note. <laughs> Indeed. You're on Radio Marinara. The doctors are up next. They're all ready to go. Uh, You'll hear them in about another probably 30 or 40 seconds. And if you're heading down to Phillip Island to the Whale Festival, enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. See you later.
Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.